Welcome to Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast, where we explore marketing trends and technology, gaining insider knowledge from the industry's best. We are just proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Joe Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast. I'm Joe Barsness from web and software development team Fjord, and today on our show, we will be talking with Don Berg from Max Media. Welcome to the show, Don. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. All right. As always, um, I uh, want to hear a little bit about your personal background and, and your current position and kind of your path in, in getting there and how you decided to get into this industry. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a bit of a rarity that I've been with the same company for 24 years. So Max Media is a digital agency. And uh, when I started back in 1999, I was coming from the film industry. And back then, digital media was putting things on CD-ROMs and, you know, using flash technology and, and things that, that that really aren't even around anymore. But it was an exciting time when I was in the film industry. I had an opportunity to uh, work on a lot of uh, Macs. We were working on Dawson's Creek and we had a uh, relationship with Apple computers and it was right when the iMac came out. So we had about 30 iMacs that we would put in scenes and like schools and bedrooms and things where they would need a computer. And as we, when we weren't using them, I had an opportunity to play around as part of my job as the art department coordinator, I could reach out to companies like Macromedia and Adobe, and they would send software just so we'd have something up on the screen. So I had access to all this great stuff. And then I had a production designer who was kind of a, a mentor as far as learning how to use a Mac, uh, JD Kretschmer, who was um, back then was really doing some amazing stuff that it just blew my mind how much you could get accomplished on a computer versus, you know, these big film productions and, Working in the film industry is a lot of fun, and I'm glad I did it, but it's also kind of a feast or famine industry that uh, you work, you know, nonstop hours for, you know, three months, and then you're done with your feature film or your TV show or whatever you're working on and looking for your next job. So I had heard about a program at Georgia Tech here in Atlanta that uh, was doing what they called multimedia uh, development back then which got my interest and we had been thinking about uh, moving to Atlanta at the time. So it kind of gave me the impetus to, to come here, take the program. And back then it was learning how to work in Photoshop and Illustrator. And then also um, director was a big thing that had the lingo uh, programming language. And as I learned those things, I pretty quickly came to the realization that I'm not a designer and I'm not a, certainly not a developer, but I was really fascinated by what could be accomplished. And as I kind of learned more about the industry, you know, a producer project manager role was kind of a good fit for, you know, understanding what could be done and then be in that conduit between the client and the agency. So I was fortunate to meet up with Keelan Wheeler, the founder of Max Media, right after I finished that program in 99 and we hit it off. He'd come from a, a TV and film background as well. And he had seen where things were headed. So uh, I think we were at that time, both really excited about the future. You know, we had to deal with things like 28.8 dial up modems and things. So it was really hard to get, you know, streaming video to work. But uh, fortunately, the technology caught up and, um, you know, here we are today. Got it. And so 
um, your current role at Max Media and and where's Max Me tell me a little bit more about Max Media, where are you located? What do you do really well? What's kind of the background there? Sure. So uh stick around long enough and uh you can become president of the company. So uh I'm fortunate I've been president for about a year. Keelan, uh the founder who I mentioned is now the CEO and we're still very much actively uh involved each day. So we are a uh independent digital agency here in Atlanta, Georgia. We've got a great mix of uh, user experience designers, visual designers, copywriters, uh, developers, uh, project managers, and account managers. So, you know, people have asked, you know, what's your superpower? And uh, I think the honest answer is it's our ability to kind of shift what our expertise is to meet the demands of the industry and what our clients need. So, I think that's also the reason I've been excited about working here for the last 24 years, because it's always something new, whether it's technology or some new vertical. We've uh, traditionally, when I first started, we were working with Bell South, and then that became Singular, and then AT&T. So for 20 odd years, we were very heavy in the telecommunications industry, but we've done everything from... Uh, you know, video production to websites to apps and have worked with a, a bunch of clients from Fortune 50 all the way down to startups and, um, you know, building some products internally and, and things like that. So it's definitely uh, very interesting. I think our focus in our strength has always been creative thinking. So right now that manifests itself a lot in kind of a design thinking process and the user experience design team that helps us kind of uncover what our clients needs are not just taking the order from hey we need a website let's go you know build something it's well let's take a step back and think about what you're trying to accomplish with this website and is that real area you should focus on right now or are there other things you could be doing so it's um been an exciting run and uh you know it certainly keeps me on my toes there's never any uh a dull moment. So it's, you know, these days I'm involved with kind of account oversight, but also you know, working with team leads and making sure that, uh, you know, our budgets and timelines and everything is um, well thought out. And if anything changes along the way that we're communicating that to our clients, we find that it's always better to uh, deliver news of some sort of change, whether it's budget or timeline early in the process than, you know, towards the end. So yep. spend a lot of our time trying to be proactive and, and good about that. And I think that's why we've had so many return clients that we've worked with for 20 plus years, just because we kind of go above and beyond. And, uh, you know, our account management style, I think is just uh, always over delivered because it pays off in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, over 20 years and the changing landscape of, of how you're serving your clients and the different types of clients that you serve. How do you manage that, um, the resources, whether that's like a team or how do you match up the right team with the right delivery, with the right client? And like, how does that work when you are serving different folks over time? Um, tell me a little bit about that operational process within your team. Yeah, we've we've learned a lot over the last, Max Media has been in business 27 years and I've been 
part of it for 24. And, you know, in the early days, every time we would land a new account, we would hire people to run that account. Mm-hmm. And that works well when you have, you know, multi-year engagements, but as you know, this industry, a lot of times it's a project and it ends. And, and next thing you know, you're looking for the next thing to keep that team busy. So what's worked well for us is to have a core team of experts in leadership roles. And then, you know, we're very careful about when we want to hire somebody full time. So we really have to be able to justify that. Unfortunately, over the such a long period, we've got great relationships with people that have worked here before or people that have freelanced for us in the past. So we have a Rolodex that we can tap into and really work with people that we know and trust that prefer to be freelancers and we don't have to carry that overhead. So, and then we can also, you know, partner with people like you for development projects. And, you know, it's just good to have that network and have those options so we can bring in the right tool for the right uh, project. Right. You can't, you can't have staff on the bench for anything that could possibly come up. Uh, There is some proactive things that you can do. There are those experts that you have in house, um, but there certainly is opportunity to bring the right tool to the right job in different scenarios. Um, Along with that. So once you have this, this team and, and we connected on this a little bit, how do you get the most out of the team? so that they are bringing value to your clients. I know we touched on this untouchable day um, each week uh, scenario, and I know uh, it's something that is, is something you're working with as well. So tell me a little bit about how you're resourcing and, and, and managing the days of your team to, to not um, do the, the typical advertising thing and work 90 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's the reality, but we try to, uh, to do our best to, to keep, you know, fairly regular hours. And, you know, sometimes it's just the nature of things, but, you know, we believe in that work-life balance and, you know, it's, it's not easy. And I think one of the things that is just a constant struggle is that how many hours are you in meetings every week? And what does that then leave you to do really heads down, you know, creative work or development work that allows you to do the best um, that you can do without being distracted. So that was what got me interested about the article, why you need an untouchable day every week, which um, is, I think, pretty radical. It's not just, you know, carve out a day where you're just focused on, you know, heads down time, but it's turn off all forms of communication so people cannot get in touch with you. And there's no temptation to check on email or, you know, answer a phone call or anything like that. I don't think I'm quite ready to do that, but I just think it's a a really interesting concept and it kind of ties into some of the things that I've been thinking about. I watched a, uh, a masterclass with Bob Iger from Disney, who kind of gotten thrown back into the, uh, the fire after uh, trying to retire, but some of the stuff that, that he imparted in that was, you know, finding time to, just have quiet time at the beginning of your day to like really think things through and not just hit the day where you wake up and start, you know, checking emails and, and kind of getting bogged down on that stuff. So what I've been doing is getting up early and driving into the office and typically arrive before anyone else is here, which allows me to 
kind of plan out my day, get any kind of busy work that um, done that needs to be completed before kind of the, you know, meetings and, you know, client calls and all the kind of things that come up throughout the day. So I find that first hour, hour and a half or so before anyone else gets in is, is really helpful for me. I think what um, that article about the untouchable day kind of takes that to a whole extreme of just completely, you know, the cone of silence and uh, finding that time to, to focus on getting things done and then allowing other people on your team to do the same thing. You know, that's something that we really try to hire people that are, you know, self-motivated, that we can trust, you know, we know they're going to deliver. We don't have to micromanage them. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's worked well where you don't have to, um, you know, look over their shoulder. You just know they're going to get it done when they say they're going to get it done. Yeah. There's that, that trust and, and, and all of that and the and, and meetings, um, most of the time, uh, a good number of us come away with more work and more meetings from those meetings. Yeah. And so it does blossom and, and not that meetings aren't necessary in some capacity, particularly with clients and knowledge sharing and, and all of those sorts of things. But I know for myself, when I see meetings on my calendar for the majority of the day, then you don't have time to do the things that you got from the first meeting, you know, do the things that, that you created as to do's in the first meeting and, and moving on to the next meeting, it just kind of piles up and piles up and you got to take really good notes so you can follow up either that night or the next day or, you know, way later in the day. And, you know, if, if every day is filled with meetings and every hour is filled with a specific thing that you're supposed to do that you lack that clarity break to really do the important things because it is that theory of like somebody else running your day by being in the top of your inbox. Um, right. And, and that's, that's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, that that kind of gets into the Gary Keller's book. The one thing that I think we talked about a little bit last time we, we spoke and, Kind of, you know, what is the one thing I should be focused on right now that by doing it, it's going to make everything else easier or unnecessary. And I think we're all tempted by kind of the, you know, the squeaky wheel and, uh, you know, whatever is at the top of the, the inbox and kind of diverting our attention. And it's really hard to, to do that. So that's another thing I've been really thinking a lot about is, you know, and that it's helpful to do that in early in the day before things really start getting busy. And that allows you to then say no, which I think we could all say no more um, than we currently do. But it's, uh, you know, is this really helping me achieve the goal that I set out to do today? Or is this just busy work? And, you know, at the end of the day, did you accomplish what you set out to? Or were you just busy, but you really didn't accomplish anything? You were just in meetings and responding to yeah. emails. Reacting. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I know is, 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 super ineffective is the context switching, yeah. uh, particularly for folks who are um, in really a production role. So like on my team, the examples is developers and asking them a 20 second question can take their mind off of something that takes them a half an hour to get back into. Um, and I know there are strategies from 
uh, back when I was a project manager of a team of developers, um, I would actually just sit in the lunchroom from 11.30 to 1.30. And as developers came in for lunch, I would ask them that 20 second question at that time so that they were already in a break mode in their mind and not interrupting them while they're doing their work and, and asking them a question that's about a different project or even about like an update or something like that so that they could continue to do their thing. And I got my answers and I knew I was gonna get answers between 11.30 and 1.30 um, but I also didn't want to interrupt their like clear thinking. And in my role, that's tough, but I still try and create that through, through um, turning off notifications, even if it's for an hour or two. Um, it's amazing how much work you can do when you remove the distractions. Yeah, that, that's a good strategy. It's funny, I, my office is right across from our kitchen. So I have the ability to see when people go in for coffee or to make some food or something. So uh I use that as an opportunity to to talk to people as well. Cause I, I, you know, you hate walking up to somebody, tapping them on the shoulder to ask them a question when they're in deep thought and uh, yeah, the amount of time it takes to get focused again. And um, yeah, it's definitely going to slow things down. And we also see that with kind of people that are doers that get promoted into managers in that whole process of, you know, they're an amazing designer or, you know, whatever that role is. And then you're expecting them to manage people. It's really something you've got to think through. Is that really the best role for them? Because then you're distracting them from what your expectations are. And a lot of times the expectation is that they're still going to do the same design work, but they just have more responsibility. So that's something that we think about quite a bit. And, you know, what's that right, you know, path to, uh, for someone's career to, uh, to advance is it really becoming a manager i don't think a lot of people would probably be better off just remaining a uh, individual contributor rather than you know having a team under them yeah i totally agree with that sentiment um my favorite analogy there is you don't take your let's say you're a baseball team you don't take your person who's the best outfielder and the best hitter and make them the manager right <laughs> that is not where they're meant to be always and oftentimes it's not the best players that are the best managers um or you know players and coaches um oftentimes it's the it's somebody who has that skill set that may not be the best player or, or even played professionally in some cases right. um, it's great to have some of that background and know what it's like to be a player and all of that but um, it's kind of the same thing there. You don't just take your best player on your team and make them the coach. And that's the same thing in the business world. Um, there are certain skills and, and if they, they might not also be the, they might be the worst hitter on the team. They can be the best manager. Um, it's just a different skill set, and, and really need to think hard about that and what's best for, for those folks and in, in working through that. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit cause I've, I, I, I've, I know I've known you for some time, so I have some favorite questions that I like to ask all my guests. And one of them is, we didn't get to this earlier, uh, is over this, the time of your career, what is the coolest thing that you've done? Usually uh, marketers and advertisers have a great experience of meeting a celebrity or working on a really cool product before we all knew about it. 
what's something that you are like super excited about in, in your career that's, that touches a personal note or is a profound experience that you've had? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, there are a few things, probably the one that comes to mind first, and it's partly because I have a, uh, a framed picture on the wall with uh, 12 uh, covers of a comic book called King James that was created by DC Comics in partnership with Powerade. And we were working with Coke at the time and uh, had partnered with a event marketing company to do uh, the first idea was to give away actual comic books with uh, after you've saved up a certain number of uh, UPC codes under the cap of Powerade. We decided to move that online. So that was the first um, time that DC Comics content was released uh, in digital format. We had a chance to work with not just DC Comics, but LeBron James, and we would receive um, the artwork from the DC Comics team, which was all flat. You know, they weren't using Photoshop or anything. It was, you know, pencils and then inks, and then they colored in, and our team would have to figure out how to uh, separate layers and, and do some things to give it uh, movement. And it was released as a series of webisodes, and we recorded LeBron, this was like his first year in the NBA, recorded his voice. And then we had voice actors that we brought in for all the other roles. It was just fascinating to, to not just be able to work with LeBron, but to see how DC Comics works. And, you know, we'd be you know, working on a new uh, webisode and they'd introduce a character and we'd say, hey, we need a backstory for this character. So they'd be like, all right, give me 30 minutes. And they'd come back with this amazing backstory for the new villain for whatever uh, episode it was. And the way that came together was was really fascinating and a lot of fun. I think it was a little bit ahead of its time because it was before social media really could amplify that kind of content. It was a lot of uh, paid advertising and, and things like that to drive traffic. But it was, uh, yeah, something that at the time, I don't think I quite grasped how awesome it was. Now looking back, it's like, oh, that was such a great experience. <laughs> well, and I mean, it was just a couple years ago, right? Um, when LeBron came into the league, it was like two years ago, three years ago. That was a joke. Yeah, I'm like, wait a second. It was more like <laughs> 20. He's like the elder statesman now, but yeah. He's been doing this a long away. time. Yeah. Um, I know you kind of mentioned this earlier, but, uh, you know, being in the same organization, in the same industry, um, what does keep you going and motivated after that amount of time? Uh, you know, I'm 11 years in my role. You're 24 in at your organization. What keeps you motivated? What keeps you excited? Yeah, it's uh, it's the people, first and foremost, both on the client side and then the people that, that we work with every day. I mean, we spend more time together than unfortunately sometimes I do with my family, but, you know, fortunately we've, we've got a great group and, uh, you know, it's just awesome to kind of see things go from an idea, you know, up on a whiteboard all the way through a, you know, whatever the output is, whether it's a website, an app or a, a video, or maybe all of the above. And, uh, you know, how you get there, how, there's always going to be 
challenges and stress and things, but you know, it's how you deal with that. And, and the people that you surround yourself with really make that, you know, so much easier when you, we've got people you trust. And, you know, I'd mentioned Keelan, the founder before, and I think part of the reason we work so well together is because I think we had both have that same mindset of, Hey, whatever it takes to get done, we're going to do it. And, um, you know, let's create a great work environment for our employees. But, you know, there's certain times where we're all going to have to come together and uh, step up and, and get it across the finish line. But, you know, looking back, it's, um, it's those people and, you know, and finding clients that, that kind of get on board with that as well. We've had challenging clients as everyone has, but I think right now we've got such a great group of, um, you know, interesting, you know, we work with a, a company that makes dog food. We work with a company that does yoga therapy. We're doing some stuff for fundraising. We just heard from a company that's a, an architecture firm that's looking to redo uh, video content. So all of these different industries and people, it's just, you know, it's fascinating. It's always, you're always learning new things about those industries and, and the things that they do, but, you know, it kind of comes back to having that creative storytelling thread throughout everything that we do that I think allows us to be successful because that's kind of the one constant. And then however we deliver it can change based on what the need is. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Don. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have uh, today on Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Uh, you can find Don at maxmedia.com. Again, that's Don Berg at maxmedia.com. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Don. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. It's a lot of fun. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. You can download episodes of our program by going to fjorge.com slash mindyourownmarketingbusiness or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Thank you.